Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. and shine football fans welcome to morning footy happy tuesday to all of you i'm Susanna collins alongside michael lahoud jordan angeli at the desk alexis guerreros we've got jenny chu back with some headlines how's everyone doing on this fine tuesday morning how are we feeling Feeling good. Yeah? Yeah. Champions League. Champions League. Are you kidding I know. Me? Champions I know. League. Today. I know. We've got some UCL qualifiers to look forward to. Alexis, how are you feeling after your extended vacation? You I know sometimes good. Sometimes it takes yeah. a while though to kind of get back mm -hmm. into it. Are you suffering from was, jet lag anything? I was lucky because I was in Europe, which is roughly around the time we live in now. You know <laughs> <laughs> we go to bed like it's midnight in Europe it's a good now. Point. So yeah. it worked out perfectly fine. I, it hasn't been a lot. The jet lag was trying to stay awake on the flight mm -hmm. so that I wouldn't mm -hmm. go to sleep and mess up. Mess up yeah. my sleep schedule. Mm -hmm. Just made me super tired, super early. You're saying everybody doesn't go to bed at 8 p.m. Yeah, That's not a normal I know, right? Thing. That's not normal. Yeah. Was that your bedtime? I went Jordan? to bed at 8 p.m. last night. I'm proud of you. Man, everyone's yeah. on. Everyone's on it. Today. I feel I'm good. Proud of you. Yeah. I was in bed at. 8 p.m. Oh yeah, I did. A, I was like working uh, a little. This is the yeah. same conversation that's being had at a senior citizen home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Welcome to the morning show. Yeah. They just like. woke over with a little cup of pills. I have uh. to take. <laughs> Alexis, did you? Um, were you spreading the gospel when you were in Europe about? You know, Glass ah. Network and Morning Footy. I mean, did, I, did you have fans? Because I feel like mm. when when you and Charlie went overseas, you you y'all were getting recognized. I mean, I, did you have to keep the people away? I did get recognized, believe it or not. No. Uh, yeah, I think I got recognized in Copenhagen. I was in a store, and the dude was telling me that he was from London, uh, but he's living in Copenhagen for a summer. And uh, we were talking. I said, oh, yeah, like, do you have a club you follow, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, you know a lot about football for an American. And I'm like, oh, I actually work in football. That's all I say. I'm not going to be like, I'm on TV. Thank you very much. And then <laughs> as I said, I said something loud. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yo, I recognize you. Did you hug Henri? And I was like, I did. I was like, I did. That's brilliant. He's like, I saw the clips. He's how like, proud of you is that that's how you got yeah. recognized. Yeah. The hug for, with Henri. That's how I would want to be. Yeah. Just right? remembered. Right? I remembered. I, that's bucket list yeah. stuff. Right I think there. the next step is for one of your killer jokes to yeah. be the one that someone remembers you for. Well, you got a bunch of them. Not in Europe. Not in Europe. But here, I've, I've been recognized in the street yeah. for, for comedy. But in Europe, I'll take, take that. Get hugging on me. Take that. That's yeah. better than my closer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not stand-up set, I'll tell you that. I love that for you. Well, again, it's nice to have you. Thank mm -hmm. you. I'm so back happy to be at, back. Back at the desk. Oh, I miss this studio. I miss you guys so much. Oh, yeah. Alexis. All right. That's, <laughs> see, that's how you start a Tuesday. Mm -hmm. uh, let's go. Shall we chat some, some of the games from yesterday? Mm -hmm. Let's do it. How about some Serie A action? We saw... Uh, Cagliari hosting Inter Milan. Both of these teams looking to start this season um, on the right note with two wins. So let's get to the highlights. And it's Marcus Taram, new signing from Borussia Mönchengladbach. Look at this pass to Denzel Dumfries. Dumfries, an attack-minded wingback, gets on the score sheet. The pace of the pass, the weight of the pass is excellent, and Inter are off and running. 
It didn't take him very long to get the second one. It, it comes down the left side this time. Lotaro Martinez brings down the ball, chops mm. it back, but then brings it near post. Like, what a silky smooth finish there. And one of the things that I love about this Inter squad when you watch them play, and I think both of those goals are really good examples, is how when they get in the attacking third, the lines are interchanging. It's a midfielder in beyond mm -hmm. the back line. The forwards are checking back in. So it's so hard for an opponent to know where to be or what player they should track in. It gets the the defensive line really out of sorts and and I feel like they're off to a good start. Yeah, it it's good. interesting to see how they're mm -hmm. going to play without like a Lukaku. What's mm -hmm. the style? How are they going to attack? But you have Lautaro Martinez, and we've said it before, we'll say it again. If he can can be consistent, if he can show you any level of consistency, he has every tool and all the skills to be one of the most dangerous attacking players in all of Serie A. Yeah. So hopefully he could bring that to them. Uh, and Cagliari also have some incredible players as well. Uh, Antoine uh, Makumbu, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, yeah. the Congolese defensive midfielder. Five uh, five big chances, or five uh, passes into the final third. 91% passing completion. He was clearly trying his hardest. They had 12 shots in total. Yeah. They had every opportunity to level the score up. Yeah. But I'm so glad you mentioned Makumbu because he was partially at fault for that first goal. Yeah. The back pressing of Inter in this match was what impressed me. Both strikers working incredibly hard to get back. Martinez, something that we didn't see as much consistently. And I'm like that word that you use, consistency, because that was a lot of the criticism he was under through spurts last season. This is a team that is solid. They're a complete team, one of the most complete teams in Syria. You see the experience from last year paying off from the get-go. Martinez, he is a quick starter. The last three seasons, three goals in four, four matches. Mm -hmm. Consistency. That yeah. is consistency getting out of the gate. Now it's about keeping up that sort of momentum the rest well, of the way. Well, this... Inter squad, uh, 12 wins when he scores in a row hmm. when Martinez scores. Is that an issue, though? I, that's, do they that's need question. Him? Yeah, like, do they rely too much on his production in order to get the results? Because it seems like what, that's what happened last yeah, year. Yeah, you want that out. And they that's had why the, you bring him in. Well, they had but, the incredible run in, in Champions League. Obviously, you, you get to a Champions League final, you're doing something right. But uh, within Serie A, it was a, it was a yeah. kind of a roller coaster for them last year. I think that's going to be one of the question marks with Inter this year is who else is going to come up with the goals? Look at the, the strikers that they lost in the transfer window. Edin Dzeko gone to Turkey. Romelu Kaku projected to go to AS Roma. And Joaquin Correa now to Olympic Marseille on loan. Now you have a lot of pressure on Marcus Tram. Very good to see the French striker getting an assist. Getting on the score sheet is a great way to build your confidence. Next step is getting that big goal. Yeah, and you brought up uh, Dumfries. Are we asking too much of him in the attacking side? I know it's what he's very good at, but if, if you need players to help defend, Having a lot of having more extra players up top trying to push on and push on for goals, covering for some of these players that have left, could be a negative on the defensive side. Yeah. Do you feel like this is an Inter Milan team that can win a Scudetto this year? Because it, it, it's chaos in, in Serie A. It's almost impossible to, to guess who's going to come out on top, I feel like. But are they? <laughs> That's your answer. Yeah. Like if it, since yeah. it is such chaos, and I heard the, the Serie A group talking about who they were choosing, and it does feel like everybody has a different look. Mm -hmm. like, you know, Napoli wasn't the choice last season, no. and mm -hmm. here they come, and they, they, they win. It feels like, yeah, this inter squad is set up to do that. Can they lock things down a little bit better defensively? Yeah, they get they get a shutout here, but there there are holes. There are chances that they're giving away that um, narrowly miss. So I think some some tweaks on the defensive side might set them up, but. Mm. 
If, it, if, if it's chaos, then absolutely. I would almost say it's the only way for them to have progress this season. Yeah, they need it. Because I don't think they're going to be Champions League winners. They were already Champions League runner-ups last year. I don't think they get back to that level. I mean, maybe Mm. they do, but it doesn't feel like they can. It almost feels like winning the Scudetto is the only way for them to have progress this year. Mm. Mm. They need something if they're going to take a step forward. I think their league title credentials will be tested in the middle of the season. Mm -hmm. The big impact, and you don't see it on the score sheet, Croatian defensive midfielder Marcelo Brozovic going to the Saudi Pro League. He was immense for them in the Champions League knockout mm-hmm. round. And when the injury to Hakan Chalanoglu came in, Chalanoglu, uh, uh, incredible deep-line playmaker. If one of those midfield three get injured or start running down in, in terms of fatigue, that is going to be a big problem. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, it's the uh, for the fifth season in a row, Inter Milan, um, with two wins to start the campaign. So let's move it along to La Liga, where we had Rayo Vallecano taking on Atletico Madrid. I just want to point out that heading into this match, Rayo Vallecano had not conceded a goal. Well, look away it now. All <laughs> look Quite away now, uh, Rayo Vallecano fans. <laughs> you got Memphis Depay. That's right. I said Memphis Depay getting an easy goal. Just a tap and make that run, young man. Yeah. Make that run. But this goal this is summed up this. the night for Rayo and everything Ooh. for Atleti. Angel Correa off the bench again. Second, what, second game yeah. in three games that he's done something ridiculous like that, forcing a goal. Then Marco Sorrente getting a late goal again, something he did against Granada in the opener at home. This was, this was and, and the Correa shot is insane. The goalkeeper decides to pass hard on the ground to the middle of the pitch, <laughs> which I think is the first thing they tell you to not to do when you're trying to clear or send it. Let's and let's it just, it so he, they, he gets the back pass. Look at this. Oh, oh, that door. is no, horrendous. No, Two no. touches. Yeah, that Trying you, you, to pass oh, it to. You could you could see turtle yeah. head time written all over oh. that for the goalkeeper Jimmy Trevsky. That that's what happens when you've given up four and it's relentless wave yeah. after wave of pressure. Horrific night for Rio. Yeah. Interesting stat about that. Prior to this game, Atletico Madrid, that is now the largest away win in their club's history. And it comes against a team that was in fourth place, still early, yeah. but fourth place and not giving up anything. Ooh, literally Incredible. had not conceded a goal. It's, yeah. it's wild. So, so what's the ceiling for Atletico Madrid this year in La Liga, Michael? Because you know, I, I love Simeone. I'm a, I'm a, a Simeone stan. I would love to see them enter the conversation. I am very high on this Atleti team. I said it with Charlie and Nico. I think they're my personal favorite to win La Liga this year. It'll be interesting to see how. I don't. Mm. What's in your cup, I, man? <laughs> the same thing that was in your cup in Germany. Thanks yeah, for okay. that. <laughs> they will be tested. Madrid Derby coming up in a couple weeks mm-hmm. in September, and that's been the tip that turns the tide for them. How they perform in those matches against Real Madrid and Barcelona is massive if you're going to have a title run-in. But what I've seen so far, Memphis Depay, a big factor in that. He limped off, I think, 30 minutes in to the match after scoring the goal, possible muscular injury. Hopefully he's okay because if you keep Depay healthy, Alvaro Morata still scoring goals. Mm-hmm. Anton Griezmann, the guy had 15 goals, 16 assists last still season. Yeah. Still got it with the incredible hair. Love his hairdo. Angel Correa, the depth in that attack 
is ridiculous right now. And they're all performing. Griezmann is, from the World Cup, he was my favorite player to watch. Mm, What he was doing in that World Cup was ridiculous. And I think he has some of that freedom to do similar things in this system. So any team with Griezmann on it, I I feel like they're going to continue to be able to fight for a title. And this is the type of win you want early in a season, where you get not just a lot of goals, but you get a lot of people on the the score sheet, Mm -hmm. too, because you feel like... Everybody is a little bit more confident after this, knowing, okay, I got that monkey off my back. I've scored a goal. Um, Big win for them and impressive so early on. Absolutely. And it does. I I agree with you because I think, like, when you look at the injuries to Real Madrid and kind of the the drama that has surrounded Barcelona, I know that it hasn't been showcased on on the pitch, but it does feel like there is an opportunity to... You Let's know, take that next just, step. Just, come on, if, there, if there's Jordan, a season, I think they're going to battle. But I, don't, I don't think they're going to. You don't think so? No. You don't think so? I, I think it would make for a fun league if the, all three are competing yeah. again. Yeah. You have Real Madrid, Atleti, and Barcelona. But I do think this is a, unfortunately, based just just on the players on the score sheet or on the, on the, on the, in the first 11, this feels like a third-place team. Mm. Maybe can push for Copa del Rey. You know, but this feels like a third-place finish team. I just think Real Madrid retooled. If they can get their players healthy, that feels like the team that's going to win La Liga. Mm -hmm. And Barcelona, Xavi. Xavi's a mad. He pulls the strings. Yeah, Yeah. and Real Madrid, despite all the injuries, uh, the only team in La Liga with three wins to start, a guy named Mm -hmm. Jude Bellingham. Playing. Balling. Yeah, he's pretty all right. Well. Well. Pretty well. Pretty well. Ballingham. What a good Crazy, signing. Right? Just thought of that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we are going to take a break, but Jenny Chu will be back with some headlines when we return. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Uh, for the news today, guys, Flair and Balogun is back in France today to complete his reported $43 million transfer to AS Monaco. The U.S. men's national team striker will undergo a medical to finalize his departure from Arsenal, which agreed to a fee with the Ligue 1 side after fielding interest from clubs ranging from Inter Milan to Fulham and Chelsea. In injury news, Real Madrid's run of bad luck with injuries continues with Brazilian star Vinny Jr., the latest starter, to go down with an injury. According to multiple reports, Vinny Jr. is set to miss between four to six weeks with a hamstring injury suffered in Real Madrid's one nil win over Celta Vigo on Friday. The injury will keep Vinny Jr. out on Brazil's upcoming World Cup qualifiers against Bolivia and Peru. And from a current Real Madrid star's injury to a former Madrid star being injured. Karim Benzema is set to miss time with the suspected hamstring injury he suffered during Al-Etihad's 2-0 win against Alhueda on Monday. The 35-year-old has registered a goal and two assists since Al-Etihad for Al-Etihad since completing his blockbuster move to the Saudi Pro League. Staying in Saudi Arabia, the big spending league has locked in on their next high-profile transfer target. According to CBS Sports correspondent James Bench, Al-Itihad is preparing to make a $162 million transfer offer to Liverpool for Mo Salah, along with a contract that would pay Salah a salary comparable to what Cristiano Ronaldo and Neymar earn, which is believed to be worth more than $200 million a year. Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp has downplayed the interest in Salah, insisting that the Egyptian star is not for sale. In North America, John Herdman announced his departure as manager of the Canadian men's national team yesterday, and shortly after, he was named the head coach at Toronto FC. Herdman leaves the Canadian national team after guiding the team to its first World Cup appearance since 1986. He previously coached the Canadian women's national team, where he won two Olympic bronze medals. Toronto FC has lost eight straight matches since firing Bob Bradley in June. Herdman will step into the TFC role on October 1st and will assist the Canadian Federation as it transitions to a new head coach. Jordan, 
Were you surprised to see John Herdman give up his national team job for a club job? Or does that say more about the Canadians national team's mess financially? Or the fact that TFC's job is attractive? <laughs> it feels like a mess there, too. I, I, I don't know. They He's both kind of feel like a mess. To another. Yeah, mm. and that's why I think it's most surprising, Jenny, is Canada It feels like a mess. It's not just the women's team fighting. It's the men's team fighting, both for funding in various ways. And Hardman has been, he's been talking about this, that this is, they're not in a place where he feels like they can succeed. Uh, he said that after the Nations League lost. But going to Toronto, I get it. This is a his, historic club. They've done a lot of good things. But where they're at right now, and then not starting till October 1st, that also seems weird. Yes, this season is a little bit of a throwaway where they're sitting and the performances that they've had. But I, if I was starting a new job, I would want to get in there right away and do as much as I can in this season thinking that, okay, next year, then we can hit the ground running with some of the, the – tweaks and tactics that he's already been able to implement. So it's strange for me, the whole thing going from a national team to a club team. But I, um, I mean, but there, there should be progression to a yeah. club team, right? Out of a national team. But not, I, I first thought isn't the worst team in, in MLS or the last place. They are under, now. Yeah, yeah. Miami. Miami Hopscript. I mean, you think about this. John Herdman has been with the Canadian uh, Canadian soccer for 11 years. He took the women's team to the World Cup. He took the men's team to the World mm -hmm. Cup. He finished top of qualifying for the, in the men's. Do you remember in, the field, in the all the feels we had about this mm -hmm. Canadian men's national team during A year ago. the qualifiers and how, how we were like, God, the vibes seem so good and everyone seems so positive. And we all Giving credit to John, to John Herman. <laughs> but now it's like, it, like to me it's just it's just so sad because what a turn of events. Hmm. It, him going from the Canadian men's national team to Toronto leads me to believe that what is going on with Canada it's not good. is so bad that you hmm. are about to enter into this uh, another situation that is completely fraught. Well, let's, let's I, I just think it's a good indication of how bad things are. I agree with in that. Canada. And let's also look at the Toronto aspect of things. The October 1st start date, I actually think that's a very good thing to do as a manager because in the Toronto media, you don't want to be lumped in with the mess that's happening now. He wants to come <laughs> so in. So in a month, with, it's going to be better? But you need to still have that head start. He's going to be looking yeah. at this team. He's going to be scouting. Something about Toronto this year that you get when you don't have a good season, you play a lot of the youngsters. He's familiar with this young group of players coming through the academy, being the national team coach. So he's going to want to be in and around and he's already making up his mind of trimming the fat. When you're coming in that day, you're already saying, okay, these are the players that are out, and you only have a couple more weeks till the season, and then you come in and the John Herdman error is officially off and running. Another thing about Toronto, they have massive resources. Yeah. So the offseason is going to be the most important thing for Herdman. It's an odd move. I agree with that. But if he gets this right, which it's a big if, he will look like a bigger and bigger genius. The bigger, the bigger hurdle for him is how do you convince Insigne and Bernadeschi that this is someone that they should respect? Mm -hmm. I personally, 
just from seeing how things went down with Bob Bradley, clearly did not have the right tactics. Things didn't go well. But if the, if what we're what we're reading about the locker room situation is true, this may continue because I'm, I'm not necessarily sure that Bernadeschi's heard of John. Herman. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that that's how you get them to respect you, though, is you come in with tactics, and that's something Herdman has always done. I, I feel like his tactics for the national team were very intricate. What he wanted to do was different, and I think that that's why Canada was successful. Is they did something brand new. I am interested to see him in a club coaching job where he has a team every single day. It's mm -hmm. so different than when you're at the national team, you're together for a week, then you're gone trying to manage players, maybe translate some of that tactics while they're still with their yeah. club before they come in. What is he going to do every single day? I agree that not jumping straight in, but mm -hmm. he's he's clearly been interviewing for this job for probably since Bob Bradley left. So he's been watching this team. He's been seeing what he wants to do. I just, for me, the most success we've seen from new managers in this, club, in this league is when they come in early in that, that year before when things aren't going well. Because what are the expectations right now for Toronto? Ugh. Not Finish a lot. The There's not a lot. Yeah. Finish the season. Finish the so season. go in there. Try to do some new things. I don't think you're going to be held to the standard mm. that you will be next year. Mm. And I just feel like, why, why take a month and not be in with the team. That, well, feel, I, I that think, feels weird to me. I think something that you, and you asked a good question. You brought up a good point about the two designated players. One or both of them are going to be gone. I was going to say, are they the plans? John Herdman, I'm going to say it right now. That's your fact? Most likely, trimming? I'm trimming the fact. <laughs> Most likely, if I'm John Herdman, one or both, move on from. It's because a it's, lot it's a new money. era. That, it's also a ton of money that I don't know if you can. These guys. I think you, you have to try, and that's why I'm saying, can you get in there and start to... We're also in a new league. I mean, you've got Inter-Miami has Lionel Messi, league, yeah. you know, Busquets, Jordi Alba. You can't just say, I don't want these big-name players. We're at a point now where it's almost essential to tool up to beat Inter-Miami at this mm -hmm. point. You have to compete with the big dogs. You have to find a way to compete with that, even for marketing. Toronto has always been a highlight. They went and got Jovinko, technically still in his prime, young player. They're the type of team that goes out and says, we're going to spend big, we're going to bring in big names. I remember when they first started, they were throwing the, um, what, like the what are those papers called that they would throw it when they were doing the corners? You know what I'm talking about? Um, streamers. Mm, yeah. They would throw streamers oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. toilet paper. I was yeah, like, yeah, well, it's kind of toilet remember. paper, but it's shorter and pink, and it's probably yeah. terrible to wipe with. Uh, but <laughs> they, uh, they're, they're one of those teams that have always said, like, we're going to lead the charge on changing the culture of this league, whether it's from the fan base or from the front office. You can't now just say, give the, take, take away the two biggest names, and we're going to start from scratch. You can't really do that unless they have other big names they're going to go out and buy. And they've just spent so much money on these guys. Yeah. Oof. Good luck. Good. Yeah, yeah, this is not an I've, easy time. No, if if he does it, though, we're going to be sitting here and be so impressed with yeah. what John Herdman did with what, I mean, that would be a remarkable turnaround. It would be a remarkable turnaround. And we haven't even talked about what this means we, for Canada I was soccer. just going to say, yeah. I know there's a whole other conversation mm. to be had about where Canada goes from here because yeah. uh, it's, it's in dire straits at, at the moment. So there are a lot of questions uh, surrounding that whole situation. Wow. Yeah, we need another segment for, <laughs> for Canada. Maybe tomorrow. Um, all right, guys, we are going to take a break. We are chatting some Champions League qualifiers when we return.
Welcome back. Champions League qualifiers continue today. Here's a look at the fixtures we have to look forward to. We've got three matches today. Young boys taking on Maccabi Haifa. We have Galatasaray taking on Molda and Panathinaikos versus Braga. Tomorrow, Copenhagen taking on Rakao. We have AEK Athens taking on Antwerp. And this is going to be a good one. PSV versus Rangers. You can watch all of these matches on Paramount+. Plus. So, What's at stake for these teams? Well, here it is, uh, a lot. The winners of these group ties to the UCL group stage. The losers will go to the Europa League, but look at this. Look at how much money is at stake. Teams qualified for group stage earn $19.7 million. That, That's a good this, purse. Are you kidding me? I mean, this is, this is <laughs> insane. This is, I mean, can you think about the pressure? that's on these teams, that is a lot of coin. Yeah. Mm. A lot of coin. But right? I, think, I think they like the pressure. That, well, that's exactly the position you want to be in, being able to get yourself in the Champions League. But So we're going to chat about this uh, Galatasaray Molde game. I just want to throw these numbers out there. Right now, the club values for Molda is $26 million. The club value for Galatasaray, $219 million. So you look at a club like Molde and you're like, yeah, I could use, I could use $19.7 million. That you could would buy be, another Molde. Yeah. That would, <laughs> you have a few. If you win, you Eight double more. up. Yeah. Nine, <laughs> well, Galatasaray currently have a 3-2 advantage on, on Molde. After a first leg that was uh, pretty wild as we saw in those highlights um, for you Michael what how are you expecting this to go because I feel like Galatasaray at home and the star power that they have on this on this team you have to give them the advantage individual quality in the final third is the difference between these two teams and Mario Cardi and Dries Mertens these are two players who are, are really starting to establish this sense of rhythm. They haven't played that many games together, but when you have a player like Mario Cardi, look at this finish that he has in the first leg. These are the things that a confident striker Jeez. does. He wheels away off the shoulder, constantly playing off the shoulder of the center back, but that strike, first time finish over his shoulder. This reminds me of the goal that Cristiano Ronaldo scored in the Champions League group stages. Class finish, that is the quality he brings for this Galatasaray That's team. That's one of the best goals that we've seen in a long time. The, mm -hmm. the degree of difficulty of seeing it over your shoulder and meeting a full volley is incredible. And I like the the way Galatasaray utilizes. You know, this Molda team sat really deep, and they had they were trying to go in moments and counters with their, their five back at times. You could see Galatasaray utilize the channels, and now they're going to be able to, to do that with um, Ziyech, who is with the squad, too, to utilize that pocket of space that is so open where the goal comes from. Mm. It's their outside back that helps create it, but I feel like that's a good inclusion and probably for him a good realization, okay, I, I'm going to fit in well with this squad because that's where I like to operate. And let's say, dude, this squad is completely retooled. Mm -hmm. This, I mean, that Wilfred Zaha, uh, Hakim Ziyech, you mentioned, uh, Tete from uh, Shakhtar, uh, obviously Mauro Icardi we've talked about, Juan Mata's there. For me, the star of the show, though, and, and someone I'm looking at, super young, 22 years old, French, um, outside back, which you mentioned, Sasha Bowie is He's just... so mm, good. He is absolutely incredible. This is, it's funny, because Galatasaray is a team that's out here spending a lot of money. We've 
we've, we've, we're watching these players right now. They spent a lot of money to bring in some big players. Obviously, they got some on, on a free. But they're going to be able to flip Sasha Bowie for a good amount of money because this kid deserves to be in Champions League. That's how good he is. Mm-hmm. And God, that's right. He's built right now, for me, to be one of those teams that can surprise you in Champions League. Here's the thing, though. They haven't played in Champions League since 2019. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are the Turkish champions. And you mentioned all of these names and all these big signings that they have. And that this is a, a stacked team. How big of a disappointment would it be for them to not qualify? I will say it would be massive. I mean, if you're a player playing for Galatasaray, just stay in the stadium. Don't go in the streets. (laughs) It's that that big of an occasion. The one caveat that I do have and how Molda can get after them, you talked about the outside or the fullbacks for Galatasaray. Both fullbacks, Knudsen and Haugen, in the first leg, they impressed getting forward. Haugen getting a goal should have had what would have been the game winner. Set pieces as well. Galatasaray does not defend them well. Molda, that's how they can get it. And they don't the, – the other goal that they gave up was in a transition moment from the, the channel on one side, not tracking on the back side. Galatasaray has to shore things up defensively because if you are going to compete in Champions League against some of the best attackers, well, you got to do it against Molda, who had the, the majority of the shots in the last game. Yes, you're going to be at home, so maybe your tactics shift a little bit if you're Galatasaray. But – um, yeah, defensively, you can't be giving up set-piece goals in big moments like that. I mean, you've got the players to beat Molda. You know what I mean? Go out there and just do it. Uh, have, have any of you been to a match in Turkey? Have you no. experienced it? No, I haven't it? been to Turkey. I want that yes. kit. I was, I, <laughs> I was in the Champions League. League. I was at the yeah. Champions League. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did, did you team up for that? No, yeah. I didn't. And now I'm like, duh. No, but that wasn't. That was the. That was the final. I'm just wondering because I I know that that Nico yes. and Aaron West have mm. have been to the stadium. They have watched Galatasaray play. And speaking about the atmosphere at during these matches is just insane. Um, and I. I have to think that today, playing at home with a Champions League berth at stake, yeah. like it is going to be loud, loud, wild, and intense. And I think that that could be a factor in in this one for sure. Looking at how they played second legs in Champions League qualification. In the first leg, they sit back a bit more, sitting in the mid-block. Second leg, they will press and press and press. When you play at home in front and of those home. fans, yeah. they are going to be on the front foot, and counterattack opportunity is going to be there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Champions League, baby. Well, um, we have the group stage draw coming up this Thursday, and you can watch it right here on the Galazzo Network. Our coverage begins at 12 p.m. Eastern. Oh, my goodness. This is going to be fun. Woo! Are we excited? Yeah, I just love hearing that music. I know. (laughs) It just takes you right back. It just takes you right back. Um, All right, guys, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we are chatting uh, some Carabao Cup. Let's go. I I know, Michael LaHood is fist pumping over here. I had a feeling. Look at those images. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Second round of the EFL Cup, also known as the Carabao Cup, kicks off today. Here's a look at the fixtures. We've got four matches today. Swansea City taking on Bournemouth. Wrexham hosting Bradford City. Fulham will face Tottenham. Salford City against Leeds. And then tomorrow we've got Chelsea facing Wimbledon and Nottingham Forest versus Burnley. So what is the Carabao Cup? What first those of you that don't know, here's a little bit of an explainer. It's all clubs from the EFL and the Premier League. It's a seven-round knockout format, and uh, the clubs, the Premier League clubs enter in round two, and the UCL and UEL clubs enter in round three. So the champion qualifies for um, you have Champions League next season. So Manchester United won this trophy 
last year, Michael Lahoud. <laughs> and Yay. I know it's the one trophy that <laughs> so Manchester, one, one, no, the no. one trophy that City didn't win. No, no. Uh, but, but, you know, I feel like any time that there's hardware at, at stake, it's, it's obviously a, a big deal for a club. But when you think about all the trophies that are available to win, especially in, in English soccer, where do you think this one ranks? Like, where is this? Where does this fall in terms of priority? In terms of priority, yeah. for newer managers... I would make this a priority. For Ayrton Hogg, last season coming in for Manchester United, it added a bit more shine to a season that started off a bit... Alexis, there's something about that eyebrow, mm. which we're going to get to later. <laughs> yeah. But it added a bit more shine to what was a tough start for him. It was the thing that was a trampoline for their season, mm -hmm. and it gave the team a bunch of confidence in being able to play in cup competitions and getting a, a, a solid core group together who can now go and win games. For Ange Postacoglu, I think this could be a good platform to build off for Tottenham Hotspurs. Yes. I mean, any trophy. Oh, I was going to say. Yeah. Well, when you... And I'm not even saying that as a joke. <laughs> I think, I, I actually love Ange, Ange Postacoglu. I think this is a great hire. I, you know, remember watching him uh, with Brisbane Roar. Uh, he was so good. That team was so good, they called him Roar Salona uh, <laughs> because he, he loves playing the super attacking style. And you're seeing... I think he's the right hire for Tottenham. My f and so in a situation like his, I completely agree with you. This is a great competition to maybe get something, get a trophy, get that dark shadow over Tottenham Stadium out of the way and sort of build from there. If you're a, a team of the ilk of, of Manchester United, I don't necessarily think winning this competition again is going to quell some of the, some of the tension the fans have with where this team is headed at the moment mm. or how it looks. And I think that's the danger of this competition. And I think what, to answer your question, Susanna, where does this sit? This is just above the Community Shield for me. This is well below the FA Cup. The difference between the two is any team, any professional team in England can take part in the FA Cup. This is just for teams in the league. So you mentioned Wrexham. This is the first time in 16 years that, they'll be, that they are playing mm -hmm. in this competition because they were out of the Football League. They're now back in League Two. And I believe in the first game they drew nil-nil to Wigan, so, which is in League One. So it goes to show that, hey, they can compete with some of the bigger boys. But when you look at teams like that, that's where the positive stories come from. They're playing Bradford City. They can maybe knock out one of the bigger teams who tend to play some of their younger players, some of the kids. But if you're, if you're a big team, you're not looking at Carabao Cup and saying, this is where I'm going to hang my hat on. You're looking at Carabao Cup and saying, well, that's where our backup goalkeeper is going to get a shot. You need to look at Champions League. You need to look at Europa. You need to look at some of those other competitions, not Carabao Cup. Yeah. yeah. But d winning this would get them into Champions yeah. League. Wouldn't that, isn't that a, a reason to press he, for it? Well, they, Absolutely. Well, just to correct, winning, winning conference, it conference. Conference. the Conference League, but Tottenham Hotspurs, are they playing in Europe this year? No. No. So... EFL Cup, I'd make that a priority. I did say for, for them, <laughs> yeah. this is you. Look, yeah. and the joke has gone almost too long. And this is an Arsenal fan saying this. The joke has gone almost too long of, of Tottenham not being able to win a trophy. Getting a trophy like this is a trophy. It's something. Yeah. It's a reason to dust off the trophy case or buy one if you're Tottenham. You know, this is it's a chance <laughs> to just finally get that hump, get over that hump. But if you're a, a, a club that has a storied history of winning more trophies like a Manchester United, that glory, glory Manchester Manchester United, that's not that, – I don't think of winning a Carabao Cup when I think of that song being sung at Old Trafford. Mm -hmm. I think of a much bigger trophy. Okay, yeah. I have a question. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's 12 Premier League teams entering right now, and it's, it's, it's not all, often that we see teams like a Tottenham and a Chelsea entering at, at this stage of, of the competition. When you look at Tottenham and Chelsea, and you mentioned we're talking about Tottenham, like – who do you who who would need this more? You know, like who would benefit oh. from a trophy more? Which team? 
oh, at this stage because they Tottenham. both need it. It's, it's they easily, both need it. Easily Tottenham. It's easily Tottenham. But, easily and the Tottenham. joke is writes itself that Harry Kane leaves. Every <laughs> and trophy. Yeah. I mean, it's, right. it's at this point it's gut wrenching. But it has been yeah. it's been a mess at Chelsea. Yeah. yeah, I would say top four, minimum Europe, but top getting back in the Champions League for Chelsea is a bigger priority. Yeah, if you win a trophy, if you're Mauricio Pochettino, is amazing. But top four Champions League, winning a trophy of any kind for Tottenham Hotspurs to get that little big dark cloud, little big dark cloud, over <laughs> yeah. the entire yeah. stadium yeah. Well, is math. Well, for to- Tottenham have looked really yeah. quite good under Ange Postacoglu. And you can, I, my friends that are Tottenham fans, there's kind of this like, little energy brewing. It's like, oh, God, you guys, I'm so nervous for you. But I, too, I I, I rate Ange Postacoglu a ton, and I know that um, he was so successful at at Celtic. Despite the loss of of Harry Kane, Mm -hmm. why is this team flourishing under Ange, do you think, Jordan? Well, I went to a Tottenham game last year, and you could just feel the the tension in the stadium <laughs> because the fans, the supporters, want this team to be an attacking, aggressive-minded team, and that's not what they were last year. And I think this they are completely opposite under Postacoglu to this year. He, the way he utilizes his outside backs is different than anybody else. They're they're almost sitting in a two-back when they're attacking. And the outside backs can get central. They can get beyond the holding mids at times. There, there's times where they're on the front line. There's just so much fluidity in the way that they go forward. It's dangerous in the counter, but I think that they have a really good setup to allow them to flourish going forward. They brought in some really good pieces. I think it is going to set them up to have – to put those players who are exciting in the right places to – as we've seen, unlock some defenses. So yeah. I like the setup. I, so do I. I think Ange Pasakoglu has, you know, he his dad was Greek. He, there's a, I, I don't know the Greek term, but it means keep it on the ground. Keep the ball on the ground. Mm, keep yeah. passing it back and forth. Get players out of position, uh, the defenders out of position. I, but going to Tottenham Stadium last year felt, for people, must have felt like getting on a Spirit Airlines flight. <laughs> like, you're just hoping this thing lands. You're not looking for anything <laughs> fancy. Just get me to the end, please. You know, how is this going to go wrong? It felt like that. This season, that feeling seems to be kind of gone. Yeah. There's a little bit of hope brewing amongst Tottenham friends of mine. And I'm like, okay, you need this. You need, it's like you finally got a good friend. You're to- you broke up with your toxic ex, you know? It's that feeling of like, all right, good. You need this positivity. <laughs> it feels like Ange Postacoglu is the right guy for this job. Alexis, it's all a buildup for the North London Derby. Oh. It's all a buildup. I, I just want to put that on the map on the calendar. Mm-hmm. It's all a buildup for the North London Derby. Get that confidence going if you're Tottenham. Yeah. You're still going to lose. Though. You look so, a little but, uh, messed up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not worried. This. Okay. okay. I'm just happy for you. Okay. I'm just happy for you. Okay. We're going to take a break. Plenty more to come on Morning Footy when we return. Don't go anywhere.